we're back with an all-new show, Damage in Blue. There's a lot going on. 2022 is right upon us. There's so much happening at Hollywood Unlocked. I hope that everybody is buckling down out there because you've seen us grow this thing from nothing to something. Uh, some of you still say it's nothing, but we know you don't mean that. But I'm so excited because we, we are launching Hollywood Unlocked Studios, top of the year, January 1st, here in Hollywood, where people are going to be able to come and create podcasts and be able to create their own content. And then you're going to learn later on when you hear from Michelle Mitchell, who's here from Metaverse, you know, what they're doing with We the Culture and investing a billion dollars in black creators like me, like us, like you, and learn how you can be a part of it. And something else that I'm really excited about and have spent a lot of money on is the design of our new merch for our Gag Nation family out there. Let me show you some of our images as I tell you about it. This is our new merch rolling out really soon. I'm going to be a supermodel for this brand. This is our varsity coat, our bucket hats. We got shoes, we got sweatsuits, and we're telling everybody that we're not the same. Even our gagging sweaters, you know, we're bringing back. Um, I'm really excited for this. Backpacks, if you guys kids, and shoes. Oh yeah, Somerset Zeus made an appearance. Um, and we even have, we, and listen, for those of you women in the airport that want to go with your bonnet, we got bonnets for you, scarves. We got it all, whole bags, bundles for the smokers. So I'm excited about that. And the We The Culture program that you're going to learn about is going to help me push all that out so uh, the people that support our, our, our company see that. So, so much ahead of us in 2022. Damage Blue, I know y'all cooking. What's up? What y'all doing? Oh, yeah. Blue, I'm going to let you go first, but I'm going to let them know what I'm cooking. Oh, I'm excited because you guys know I do like uh, private consultations. I'm an emotional intelligence coach. And a lot of my clients have complained that, you know, they can't pay the hourly fee. So in January, we're doing a New Year Who Dis workshop where it's kind of like group therapy where we're all going to get together for four weeks in January, every Sunday. And I'm going to help people literally plot out their entire 2022. Um, there will be accountability homework. I will be checking in. You guys see how I keep people accountable on the show. And so my goal for 2022 is to not just keep myself accountable, but to keep everybody that I work with accountable. So I'm really excited about it. The URL is on thyshift3.eventbrite.com. Um, check it out if you want to like talk to me. And it's live, guys. It's me on Zoom every Sunday for a whole month. I'm excited. Yeah. And the reason I wanted Blue to go first is that's what I'm up to. I think all December I'm going to... Um, Buckle down, do some meditation, and get ready for 2022. Make it my biggest year it's been ever. And the theme of the year, because I like to theme my years out, is content and consistency. So all next year, I want to be all about content and being consistent. So all this, you know, the next few weeks, I'm going to be gearing up for a strong start in 2022. Listen, um, Damage, I'm taking a play out of your playbook. I'm also launching my courses on how to build a successful blog and podcast. I recently got... A $30 million valuation over at Hollywood Online. We started from scratch. We started from Instagram and Facebook. And we've been able to grow this thing into something. And now that I'm taking it to the next level and going even harder and trying to triple my, my valuation for the next year, I'm going to be teaching you how to do it. And so that information will be coming out soon. We just finalized everything. We're getting ready to shoot it and polish it up. We're building out all the stuff to go along with marketing it. But I'm really, really excited. And I was motivated by watching Damage do it. And I hope that you all are motivated by watching us build our individual brands and building a brand together and continuing to move forward and, 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 uh, and um, you know, keeping you laughing and giggling and sometimes crying at this show. But, you know, it's, the, it's now stepping into the new 
year with that new energy. And this isn't a resolution. You know, every year there's something mm-hmm. new happening, a new space, a new energy. And I've been in this creative bag for the last six months with the merch, with the courses, with the next book. And so I'm really, really excited to bring this to the forefront and allow people to literally get all the game that they're going to need to be successful and learn how to build what I've been able to build. Now, the person coming on the show today, Michelle Mitchell, she's from D.C. She's dope. She's over at Meta, as some of you may call the Facebook app now. Um, But she created a We The Culture program that I was a part of this year and and now rolling into next year and becoming more involved. And I wanted to bring her on the show so that way we can help all of you who are out there creating your Hollywood Unlocks, learn how you can get access to funding so you can help you know pour into your dreams. And so Michelle is here live from Facebook Meta in Miami. So welcome, Michelle. All right, now listen, you know, over here at Hollywood Unlocked, being a black CEO, black content creator, uh, and uh, somebody that's one of the posters of the culture, I take pride in establishing partnerships that help to advance the interests of what I'm building over here for my black self, my black employees, and for the culture that I, I pride myself to be a part of. And one of my partnerships last year that I was really, really, really proud to be a part of was the We The Culture program. And um, over the year, we were able to partner with Facebook in that program to be able to create content that lived, breathed, and made money on our Facebook page. The first time we had ever monetized our Facebook page as part of our program at Hollywood Unlocked. And then this year, I was privileged to meet the person that actually created the uh, program, and that's uh, Michelle Mitchell from Facebook, or Metaverse. Should I I say Meta? Meta. Should I say Meta? Yes, let's say Meta. Okay, Meta. Well, Michelle Mm -hmm. Mitchell, she's not just a black woman over there at Facebook opening doors for all of us black faces to get in there and, and get resources to create content. She's a black woman that actually created the program in partnership with other black creators at Facebook. So, Michelle, first of all, I just want to say from the bottom of our hearts here at Hollywood Unlocked, we appreciate your support and just your um, the opportunity to give us more breath in the, 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 the dream that we dreamt and actually helping us to bring it to life. So we appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, that's all we want to do is give people that opportunity and you all are doing it. So thanks for being a part of the program. Of course. Okay, so let's start with your you are an attorney. So I just want everybody to know she's not just pretty, she's not just fly, she's not just smart. She's an attorney and you started over at Facebook now Meta as yes. an attorney and t- talk to me about the evolution there and how you got to the We the Culture program. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, for the past several years, I've had to kind of wrestle with myself about what I was doing with my life just in general, right? Mm. My passion was leading me in one direction. My profession was leading me in another. And I really wanted to blend those two things so that when I wake up every day, I'm doing what I love. And I get to do that at Meta, used to be Facebook. So I've been at the company almost six years and an opportunity came uh, to really sort of invest in the media and equity space where you know we've got a team of diverse folks that are sitting down and every day we're thinking about how do we make Meta's platforms work for people that look like you and me. And um, I had to say goodbye to my uh, my legal work, which was totally fine. And I'm I'm thriving in abundance, as they say, um, on this side of the house, making some dreams come true. So I think we the culture program last year was it a hundred or two hundred million that you all put together in a pot for Black creatives to yeah. create content. So we actually invested a hundred million dollars in Black small businesses, in Black creators, um, in nonprofits that serve the black uh, community 
of that $25 million was devoted directly just to content. Um, and we were able to um, start with about 120 creators in our creator class, but we also had 14 black public figures that we worked with to do bespoke content on our platform from her to Toby Nigway, um, to Miss Tina Knowles and others that have been putting out content across the platform. So it was really exciting to be able to have that type of reach in our first year. So now this year you've multiplied that in the the, well, the word on the streets. You know, we try to keep our our um, our cappuccino <laughs> and our tea close. Is that we're talking about a billion dollar investment in Black yes. creators? Well, I will say it's a billion dollar investment in creators in general, and we want to have as much of that be accessible to the Black community as possible. Um, we're definitely going to be doing the same. Um, pro oh, he's he's like, do you see me? I I fit. Yes, it's true. Um, we're definitely going to try to do the same thing that we did last year in terms of having creators that will have funded content deals with us, that will be doing content, that will be um, supporting with education, with partner management and training and community building. But outside of that, there are a lot of incentive and bonus programs that almost anyone could get uh, to be a part of that can help them to monetize, as you've said, Hollywood Unlocked for the first time, um, is tapping into all the different ways that people are making creativity sustainable for them. And I'm excited about bringing that to our community specifically and teaching people the ways that they can build a sustainable business based on their creativity. Um, and yes, it is a billion dollar commitment. Um, and that's the big opportunity. Mm. So I mentioned Damage this before. Oh, sorry, Jason. No, I was gonna say Damage Blue. Have you heard of the, prog the program? Yeah, I was going to mention that before I knew you were going to come on a couple of weeks ago, several of my influencer friends were posting about you on social media. And I was like, what is this? Because word of mouth is very invaluable um, on social media. And the friends who are posting you are particularly bougie. So I know that they're not part of any mess. And so I was like, oh, this is interesting. Then I went to the nail salon and somehow the algorithm found me. And I got inundated with these really nice ads saying, come on, Blue, you know you want to apply. By the time I finished getting a pedicure, I had literally applied for the entire thing. The application was very thoughtful. Um, I was very surprised by how thoughtful the application was. So I can say personally, I feel like you guys are taking um, to the next level with making sure that we're telling each other about this opportunity because I wasn't even checking for you guys and you somehow you found me and hopefully you found Damage, you found Jason. Who is the dream person that you're looking for as a content creator? Okay, I love that question. Um, I get asked it a lot. And there's really, you know, because the Black community and Black culture is really not monolithic, there's so much uh, depth and breadth that we're looking for. We're not looking for a particular thing. But what I can tell you is that we're looking for people that are culture forward. Are you doing something that is different, interesting, exciting? It could be that you're in the sports and fitness space, or maybe you are doing beauty tutorials, but talking about social justice at the same time, or, you know, it, it's, it's definitely not your um, just branded content, you know, folks that are just sort of, hey, I'm here. <laughs> we don't want that. We want people that have something interesting to say um, and that, you know, you would be scrolling and stop and share and tap in and engage and want to enjoy, uh, um, join the community of that creator. That's what we're looking for. So nice. how did you come up with the name We The Culture? I love that you asked that. Um, we had an entire Black um, design team. There's like 25 of us, and we had a lot of names that we were thinking through. But if you think about For The Culture, We The People, for me, when the words We The People are written, right, 
we weren't considered to be a part of people at the time. If you think about the whole three-fifths compromise and all of that back at the founding of our, our, our um, history as a country. Um, but if you think about our history, you really don't have anything if you don't have Black people at the center of it. We literally built the nation. And so part of we the culture is focused on giving credit where credit is due to Black people for building, for shaping. Um, it's not just uh, music, but it's, it's art, it's every aspect of culture. And so we came up with it through a, a collaborative process and I feel like it belongs to us. So the we in We the Culture is you all. You all are the we. Aww. And so given that, you know, one thing that I love about your program, uh, you know, I was really frustrated when the heart of the Black Lives Matter movement was on the on the the tips of everybody's tongue and everybody wanted to post something or be out in the streets and a lot of big corporations committed to hundreds of millions of dollars investing in the black community and then when that fire subsided and we all went back to status quo or what's normal or what we have just endured as being normal Facebook stepped out with an actual commitment actually did it and that that that's what I thought you know jumped out for me and then it, when I would get the packaging from you guys on different parts you know you did something with a, a Kalise, a friend to the show where you uh, inboxed her her um, her uh, spices and her cooking and recipes and actually sent me real ingredients that were grown from the ground I'm like yo y'all actually must have timed this to make sure that we got this on time so this didn't Rotten, but the investment yeah. that you were putting behind the creators and showing all of us other creators their creativity, I thought was just amazing and very thoughtful. I even have the necklace that says Black Luxury. I wear it. People think it's just, you know what I mean? I, I wish I had a couple more because in case that I wear this one down, I'll still have it. But what was the thought that went into making this a real, legitimate, tangible thing and, and more than an idea that other corporations failed to uh, commit with? Well, I think one of the things that sets us apart is that behind the scenes, we are uh, black and brown. Um, and so it's literally for us, by us. I sit down and I think, you know, I love art. I love fashion. I write. What kind of program or what kind of opportunity do I want for me? Um, when we sit down and think about what to provide to our creators, we're actually building what we want for ourselves. You know, I, I was telling one of the uh, creators in the program, uh, BK Reader, so her name's Zawadi, and she has an amazing um, series called Brooklyn Sauce, where she literally just goes around and shows people what's up in Brooklyn. I was telling her that, um, you know, sometimes you say to yourself, you just want someone to give you a, a shot, right? And she was like, yeah, you know, I was reading the application last year, and it was like, do you want to make your dreams come true? What does that even mean? And I was like, right, you know? Everybody wants that moment where someone says, hey, you do what you love. Um, and so as people are doing what they love, they need inspiration, right? So bringing someone like Khalees to the table to literally cook for our creators and we sent you all the ingredients in a little refrigerator. Um, that was something that was like, okay, let's have a meal together. Let's chop it up, let's talk. Um, pro providing support for people to get better equipment, audio and visual equipment, you know, um, putting together the boxes that really tell people, hey, relax, recharge, you're part of this community. This is just stuff that we want for us. And so we'll keep building in that way. 
Now, Damage Blue, I'm not f- sure how familiar you are with all the monetization opportunities at Facebook. Do you, Michelle, was it a part of the idea that this investment would also get creators to use the platform as a tool to help take the money they get to create the content and then navigate through the platform and you using all the tools to make additional revenue from it. So that way, this is more of a investment in the future profitability of the this extension of their brand. A thousand percent. It's that old saying, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish. He'll, I don't know, never be hungry, something like that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually happy you mentioned monetization because that's the word that I was thinking about. You use the word that I haven't heard in a long time from anybody as big as Meta. I don't want to make sure I say it correctly. Um, You said forward thinking. As Mm -hmm. someone who does a lot of social justice and forward thinking kind of work, people in my realm have made peace with the fact that we don't get monetized Mm -hmm. because we get struck by large platforms for being too provocative and too forward thinking. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of made peace with the fact that I'm just doing a love offering to the community, but I'm not going to get paid for it. How did you convince such a big company to let us speak our truth without demonetizing us when everybody else is demonetizing us? Well, I think, okay, there's two, I'll take that in two, two parts. One, mm-hmm. I literally just was on a panel with um, Amber Whittington, Amber's Closet, love Amber. That's my friend. And, Amber's like yes. one of my close friends. Well, oh, well ask her what she had said um, yesterday, but legitimately Amber does the kind of content that includes just it's just brave conversations about important issues including around black lives matter and other issues that would be considered political and we absolutely supported every word that she wanted to say and fundamentally i don't like telling people what they can and cannot say so that's that's thing one point blank period but the second piece of it is that as part of the program people need to understand the parameters around which they can speak. And I think the education piece of Read the Culture is to really explain to people, hey, if you wanna move in a certain way, this is how you do it without getting strikes, without getting flags. This is what the community standards are. And I think a lot of times people get caught up because they don't know what the rules are until it's too late. And so we wanna make sure people know what the rules are before they get those flags. And then I'd say a third piece of this is just making sure that our program is more equitable towards black creators. So, mm-hmm. you know, Jason and I have been in conversations, um, which we won't recount here, but like across the board around, you know, how could we be better in terms of our product and our content policy? And like, if we're not listening, we're not doing it right. So we need to make sure that people like you and people like your friends that actually have something significant to say about issues that are important to the black community have the ability to do that without it just being a love offering. It's what crazy that you mentioned Amber though. What I do love about Facebook, I will say, and I can attest, you all are one, if not the one singular partner I have that lets me show up as animated, as frustrated, as complicated, as boisterous, as aggressive, as, I mean, <laughs> When I get off some of my calls with Facebook, I'm like, these people are never going to call me again. But then I get an email that says, thank you so much for your passion in holding us accountable and shaping um, how we look at this product or that. I mean, the teams that you bring together on calls. And I realize that I'm privileged to sit on those calls and represent a lot of people. Your inaugural class had how many people in it and how were they selected and how is that going to change or evolve moving forward? Yeah, so 120 people in the inaugural class. Um, we had a, a very layered 
selection process where we were looking at, you know, what did people say that they wanted to create and bring into the world? Like, so there's, um, if you go to at We The Culture on Instagram or Facebook, you can click into the application. You'll see that we're asking a lot of questions about who you are, who you want to be, and how we can help you to get there. Um, so we'll go through that same process. It's a little more uh, in-depth this year so that we can um, develop the program to be even closer to what people are actually uh, needing and asking for. Mm. And, and, you so, know, I don't see that changing, at least for, for this go-round. So now you also, what I thought was amazing is instead of just throwing money at what people would perceive as a challenge, you know, black folks having access to resources, access to money. I learned that as an entrepreneur building my business that I just went out with this bright idea that I thought everybody would gravitate to and the money didn't show up for me like that is that after you gave us the money to create content and to participate in all the opportunities, you then came back and asked us that we're coming back into the program to do a survey and criticize the platform. I, and, and to open up about some of the challenges that we have as black entrepreneurs. I say, yo, Facebook is either, either y'all really got it, either Michelle and her team, they really got it, <laughs> or somebody told them to just do something to make everybody else look crazy. Where did that idea come from that you actually wanted to find out like what some of our challenges were beyond resources and how we could yeah. better uh, be supported by you? Honestly, we're looking at creators holistically, creators, are creative thinkers, but they're also businesses. And I think you have challenges in different lanes, right? Whether it's like, you know, how do I actually run and operate an actual business? How do I define my brand voice? What is my content strategy? How am I editing my videos? Am I eligible for monetization? Do I have a strike? There, there's so many lanes and so many levels to what can look really easy. And we wanted to put people on game but we can only do that if we have our ears close to the streets enough to know, you know, what we don't know about what we don't know. So I think, you know, we, we're just trying to continually learn so that we can get better. And when we get better, hopefully we can um, push people forward in a more efficient way. How do you see this work affecting uh, the black community and just, you know, helping to um, dissipate what we see as, uh, you know, systemic racism? Wow. Um, you know, representation is important. We've heard it a lot. Um, representation matters, but what does it actually mean? So for me, as a former lawyer and having studied a little bit of critical race theory um, when I was in college um, and law school, uh, I really think about the power that images have on the assumptions that other people make, whether it's in the classroom, K through 12, or into higher education whether it's in boardrooms, when we look and see like, who do we think is a leader and who's worthy of being elevated? Um, and in courtrooms, when we decide uh, sentencing or when we determine um, who's right and who's wrong based on testimony, I think representation plays a role in almost every room that we would walk in. And as we hand over the keys to black creators and black creatives to tell their own stories about themselves with accurate portrayals of who they are, it'll make it that much less likely that my little black nephews or my brother or my father are misunderstood um, or seen as a threat or that, that I will be seen 
in any of the ways that um, I can be stereotyped, whether it's the angry black woman or aggressive or whatever people want to put on me, that's not who I am. And if I'm creating, I'm sharing with the world who I am and hopefully people, people pick up what I'm putting down. Hmm. Now, one thing damaged, I know that you're better than all of us at over here at Hollywood Unlocked is connecting to brands and creating brand partnerships. Um, you've done a lot with Remy Martin. You've done a lot with a lot of other brands, McDonald's that we've seen. Um, what are some of the challenges that you've seen damage and just connecting as a black creative with these brands? Because I know Facebook is doing a lot of work of connecting brands to the creators and, and how can they help us more uh, than maybe others are helping us at this present time? Mm. I mean, uh, I think the biggest thing is getting the actual conversation is hard to get um, some of those contacts. A lot of times when I do work with these brands, I'm working with an agency which acts as the middleman. And a lot of those agencies are black agencies. So salute to all the black uh, creative agencies out there. And thank you all for, you know, rocking out with us. But I think the biggest part is trying to build that connection and mm -hmm. trying to find those resources to create some content. Yeah, that's a great one and super important. Lou, if you have feedback as well, I'm here. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, actually, my question was going to be a uh, double click on that. It's when it comes to black creatives, there's two things that tend to stop us and it's resources and exposure. So mm -hmm. even when we do get resources, we'll create this amazing thing, but who's going to see it? <laughs> and so my question is, it's wonderful that you guys are cultivating this ecosystem of black creatives who have the resources, but once they've built the thing, do they get any kind of support or mm -hmm. education about getting it out there? Yeah. Um, and we do one better actually, which is that for every creator that was part of the program, we ran months long advertising campaigns to grow oh, them wow. and actually have them be surfaced. There's a lot of places and spaces within our app where it would be like, hey, Blue, Damage is doing something really cool, interested. There are a lot of ways that we try to make sure that people are seen. And in fact, we have a film program called Scene, which is all about supporting black filmmakers. Um, so yeah, it's, I think that there's a lot that we can do around helping people with the strategy, but then really partnering with folks and um, helping to run those campaigns, helping to make introductions um, with folks, connecting them with other partners that we have is, you know, it's all within the arsenal wow. of uh, tools that we have to try to push people forward. And honestly, when they're successful, we're successful. So I think Jason might have asked me at some point, like, so what do y'all get out of this? And it's like, <laughs> your success is my success for this program. I'm like, wait, y'all y'all giving us a billion dollars support, <laughs> access to brands, monetization, what you want, you know? It's and too you, good you to know, be true, yeah. No, but, yeah, but, it's, but it's real, but it's real. But this is what I will say to the creator watching, who we're going to give you the information on how you can apply and hopefully become a part of this amazing opportunity, <clears throat> is that the onus of your success is not on Facebook or Meta, it's mm -hmm. on you. Like what you do with those resources and think about it. if you're a creator who quits, who has this idea, you created this amazing thing. You don't know how to go and get an investor, but then you find a program that will give you $10,000 a month for a whole year. You know, you have 12 months. When I started Hollywood Unlocked, I did not know where the money was coming from. And I bootstrapped my company to where I am now. But if you have that opportunity, you know, you have 12 months to utilize every resource, ask every question, not wait for Michelle and her team to send out an email, but call and say, hey, how can I get on a board? How can I get in a, go in a meeting and do a presentation? How can I get out there and be your champion? And how can you push me as a face for what you're doing so more people can see me and then learn more about what I'm doing? 
And and so, Michelle, how are we, because I say we, because we are the culture. It's not you, yes. it's not me, it's we. How do we get the creators coming in to have that mm. passion and that onus where they know, look, this is an investment we're giving you, but the ball is in your court and you got to mm. run it down the uh, the court. I think, honestly, there's there's a few things, right? If you build a community that has people at different levels of success, the, one, the people that are further ahead can kind of say, hey, did you know that I had this type of success and this is how I did it? We definitely want to um, build a community that has different kinds of people in it that can each one reach one. So we want that to be happening. And then we'll do whatever we can to inspire people. But at the end of the day, it's that internal push, that internal hustle that is going to make people really successful. We'll lead people to the water, but after that, it's, it's definitely on them. And um, it's on us to create the table for them to eat at. So I'm going to keep setting that table, definitely. Um, and, you know, thinking with folks about creative ways for us to reach folks. So I love, Jason, that you pick up the phone and you're like, I got ideas. Well, I love ideas. So we oh, always biggest, have something to biggest talk about. mistake you made was giving me your phone number. I don't know what you was <laughs> oh thinking. Oh my god. But but you know, I try to be respectful of it because, you know, time is important and you're you're in charge of a very very big thing that has significant opportunity for our people and so my mind has been spinning. Me and Lala mm-hmm. have been talking. Me and Tiffany Haddish have been talking. You know, me and Jamil Hill have been talking about how we can pull all of our mm-hmm resources and relationships and put them behind you as we push this Mm -hmm. out because ultimately we are the culture and you know there are so many people in the culture that walk around and pride themselves with you know saying hey i'm the culture but what does that really mean and how is your contribution to it you know Mm -hmm. turning tenfold for those of us who are coming up and want to continue to push the needle forward so i i Mm -hmm. I thank you for what you created because so many of us are, are benefiting from it well, I and I thank you for for leaning in in the way that you do. I I think about myself a little bit where I was always the person in college who'd be like, "Let me stay behind and ask a question." But honestly, I had so many amazing opportunities come because I leaned in in that way. And I just wish for us that you know, to your earlier question about monetization, I wish for us that we had the hunger or that we continue to have the hunger to learn how to be about our business in ways that make it sustainable. And that's legitimately what we're trying to do with this program. Um, because guess what? Other people are doing it. They're making a lot of money at it and we got to catch up. So how can some of these other people who aren't black help the black creators in the We The Culture program? Well, honestly, like, like share, follow uh, their content. Um, I think metrics don't lie. So mm-hmm. is, is I think that there there's lots of collaborative collaborative opportunities perhaps um and just sort of be an ally in, in whatever way that um makes sense whether it's hey i got a studio if you want to collaborate come use some of my studio time let's let's build this together i think that's one way that folks that are not in the community can be about the community so how are you having conversations with these corporate brands about this program and the creators in the program and getting them to understand some of the challenges that we face in accessing them? I'd say that there's just a lot of listening that we're doing. I think we're not um, per se the people that are out here saying, hey, we have all the answers and we've done it right because God knows we have not. Um, it's more just creating spaces and places where people can engage 
and have conversations to kind of get to like, what are the critical issues and how do we all push forward um, a solution to some of the challenges um, that can, you know, benefit the creators because that's what we're focused on. Do you know what I love about this approach? It's that one of the buzzwords we use a lot is generational wealth. Like we constantly mm-hmm. talk about, mm-hmm. you know, I want black excellence. I want generational wealth. One of the, the tenets of generational wealth is knowledge sharing. And I think the beauty of what you're doing is you're demystifying something that a lot of people in our culture didn't have parents or an ecosystem to teach to them. And you're kind mm-hmm. of making up for that. So I think taking away even the money aspect, a lot of people have been tired the last two years. Yeah. And I feel like this program is infusing some hope back into the narrative. So just for that alone, mm-hmm. I want to thank you. Cause I will say it's kismet. You mentioned Amber. The video that I posted that made me give up on ever doing this was the video that I did with Amber at CNN. And we did this really thoughtful, engaged video about politics in the black community. And it got struck because it was too edgy. And I was like, all right, I'm done. I was like, if this is too edgy, I'm done. So I just want to thank you for being a safe space for those of us who really do care about giving back to our community, but want to eat too at the same time. That's insane that that is the example that you have. It's the exact video that made me give up. So that's crazy. Well, don't give up. Definitely don't give up, but but definitely learn the ways to do it in a way that you can continue to have the platform that, that you want to have to share what you're what you need to share because we need to hear it. Absolutely. But you know, um, as we're talking, <clears throat> without getting into all the details of our private conversation, the I when I was when we were at dinner and I was just asking you like, what are your mm-hmm. ideas? Like, what do you want to see? What do you all want to invest in? Everything you said you wanted to do and that you plan to do is the same stuff that we had been talking about that needed to happen. And it wasn't like, let's throw money and show these things that pop up for yeah. the year. But how do we take this these resources and invest them in ideas that infuse the future of technology yeah. with the culture, the access needs of our people, the ability to bring to life our creativity mm-hmm. and then amplify it. And so I have to tell you, like, I know that you, you know, I've had the pleasure of sitting down with you personally and talking to you mm-hmm. for a long time about your ideas and what you've actually accomplished. And I and I have to tell you, I, I'm i not easily convinced that people say <laughs> they're going to throw money at an issue, yeah. but I've been a part of this. I've seen it. I have felt it. Um, you know, we talk about Facebook and Meta now every day in our staff meeting, every single Yay. day, our metrics, the tools that we can use for shopping to channels to live streaming in ad uh, uh, opportunities. And so as we continue to grow with you, we want to make sure that we open up our space to tell other people, young black and and, uh, brown women and men sitting at home saying, hey, I want to apply. How do I apply? And so you have some information on how they can apply and they're they're not going to miss the mark. They're not. Um, So uh, Blue, when you were scrolling, we definitely had a deadline that was coming very soon. Um, Mm -hmm. I can give you all the exclusive that we're going to extend it a little bit because, you know, holidays and such. We'll extend it a little bit just to allow folks to have an opportunity after this broadcast to um, be able to apply. Um, The easiest way that I can give you verbally uh, to get there is to go to at we the culture. It's at W.E. the culture. Um, And within the uh, bio, there's definitely a link to the application. Um, you'll cl- complete the application in three steps. You got to su- uh, create a submittable account. It's uh, basically the platform that we're using to host the application. That way, your data is separate from, from um, you know, your uh, 
user handle information. Um, you will answer four very quick questions on eligibility, and then you'll fill out the application. And like I said, the application is pretty straightforward. It's like, who are you? What accounts are you submitting to be considered? What do you want to do with the funding? What do you talk about? Are you comedy? Are you social justice? Are you relationships? Um, we kind of want to know because we'll be able to use that to um, select people, not just for this opportunity, but for other opportunities down the road. Um, so it'll be a little bit rolling. We'll have definitely a class that we're selecting by mid-January. But um, for folks that don't make it in that first cut, um, there'll be lots of other opportunities, including paid opportunities and opportunities to, to make money. So different than last year, Jason, in that um, we're trying to reach ideally hun higher hundreds and thousands of folks with these kinds of opportunities this year. Wow. No, that's great. Listen, I think everybody should definitely apply um, and and not only just apply, but once you're granted the opportunity to be a part of such a monumental opportunity that you take that as a seed and you plant that seed in your business and you you allow that seed to grow. So that way, when this program goes into another phase or with another group that your that your seed will continue to grow and grow that dream into something that has real impact. I mean, the one thing that I'm excited about now that I've learned the landscape of Facebook and what I'm building is now that I'm getting ready to launch these courses on educating people on building their own successful blog or podcast is how to use Facebook's podcast uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, section, how to use you know, uh, uh, Facebook in-ad articles to help mm -hmm. grow your resources and your funding on your articles through Facebook. And so a lot of people may not know about this and, and I'm going to be using Facebook to push my mm -hmm. ads for my program. So again, I think once yeah. we understand the opportunities there and if you have the opportunity to be a part of it, you should absolutely take full advantage of it. I mean, it's a whole year to really fully invest in your dream. So Michelle, thank you for creating that for all of us because we the culture. Yes. We the culture. We really are, and we deserve it. So we'll put the we'll put the information up. We'll make sure okay. below that it's there, so people know where to go and find it. Um, thank you for not only being one of us for us, but also being cool. Somebody fly who somebody we could talk to. We talk our we talk the same language. You know, we're both very buttoned up today, but we also know how to you know sure talk do. our thing. So sure do. <laughs> so we, we appreciate you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me and Blue and Damage. It was so good connecting, um, looking out for y'all. And yeah, we'll, we'll do this again when we have more to talk about. Yay. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you so you. much. In the early 2000s, millions of households across the world tuned in to watch contestants battle for the last rose or be the final survivor on the island. Reality TV was beginning to dominate the airwaves and every show needed to be bigger, flashier, and more scandalous than the last. But in the case of one infamous dating show, the real drama was happening off screen and it would shape the future of reality TV. The reality TV series There's Something About Miriam seemed like a pretty standard dating competition. Six young men vied for the affection of Miriam Rivera, a beautiful model from Mexico. But when Miriam revealed that she was a trans woman during the show's finale, the on-screen drama sparked an international uproar about gender, sexuality, and whether reality television had finally gone too far. Wondery's new podcast miniseries, Harsh Reality, the story of Miriam Rivera, reveals what happened behind the scenes of this infamous TV show and how a multi-million dollar lawsuit and media fallout impacted the lives of Miriam and the contestants, and changed the rules for reality television forever. 
I love how this story took so many unexpected turns that I could never guess what was next. I literally sat there with my popcorn gagging at the twists and turns. Follow Harsh Reality, the story of Miriam Rivera on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or you can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. Do it now. With Michelle leaving, now in comes the tea or the cappuccino, as I say. So look, it's time, Damage and Blue, to get into some things. There's so much going on. First, I want to start by saying my heart goes out to my friend Alex Avon. If you read my book, God Must Have Forgot About Me, this is somebody who helped me see the vision for Hollywood Unlocked and see myself as a brand. I wrote in my book how we had that meeting at the Mondrian and he he made me focus on finding myself as a brand and uh, and then you know really challenged my ability to really hone in on developing myself as a brand and Hollywood Unlocked was birthed out of all of that. And so Alex's father, Clarence Avon, who we all know from the Netflix documentary, uh, Black Godfather, he's somebody who's been a very monumental figure in the entertainment music community for a long time, has had a lot of influence all the way from presidents of the country to presidents of labels and other organizations. His wife um, of 50, over 50 years and the mother of Alex Avon was murdered in her house in Los Angeles where somebody broke in and what I understand um, was an attempt to rob them and then shot and killed her. Um, I cannot believe that I woke up this morning and saw that on Hollywood Unlocked. Um, I've texted uh, Alex and I text other friends and um, I am just completely puzzled at what's going on in L.A. Damage Blue. Have you seen all of the clips that we've been posting on Hollywood Unlocked and other blogs uh, of people being robbed and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, L.A. is looking like the purge right now. And I knew something bad was going to happen once they stopped doing the, um, the EDD, which is um, unemployment. In October, I knew we were going to see a big shift in, in violence because, you know, when you look at social media, you see everybody doing well, but so many more people are not doing well. There's so much, there's a big divide of people that are actually getting by and not. And when you come to LA, all that glitz and glamour, you know, it's open season for that. So I, I suggest everybody be careful. If you're traveling out here, know where you're going, stay safe, travel in packs, as they used to say, because this is really real. Like this is getting beyond real. They're running into stores in Beverly Hills, places that you didn't really used to see this kind of violence happening at. Now it's it's free game. It's fair game for um, everybody out there. So please be safe. Um, have your security cameras on deck. If you carry a weapon, carry it close. But um, it, it's it's getting very much real out here in California. Yeah, I don't think it's surprising given the the economy that we're in you know think about the year that we were on lockdown think about all the businesses that were shut down think about the poverty and people who've left jobs that were unsatisfying but haven't found new jobs um it's not surprising it's happened but we do have to be hyper vigilant about when you drop somebody off at home make sure they get into the house before you, you pull away i had somebody drop me off recently and pulled away before i got in and someone approached me before i got to the door so there's these little moments where we have to be really, really mindful about not just safety and numbers, but also going the extra mile to make sure someone's actually safe and don't assume they're safe. Because that video of the couple, they were sitting there at dinner eating their food when somebody pulled a gun, took their stuff and walked away. We have to be really, really mindful that everybody's desperate and desperation breeds violence. This is not something that is atypical. We're going to get more of this as the year continues. So please be careful. No, and real quick to piggyback, just know you're being watched. You know, we got these followers, we got social media and you know we always post our highlights understand that some of those followers don't want the best for you some of those people know where you're going some of those people are following you to to take from you so just keep that in mind uh, especially 
as you said, with the economy being the way it's been, a lot of people are out there and they're being predators. So keep an mm -hmm. open eye. Now, I'll say this. Um, while I say this, for those of you listening on the podcast, make sure you go over to um, our YouTube and to the website, HollywoodUnlocked.com, to take a look at this. Let me show you some of the videos that's coming out of Los Angeles literally in real time as this is happening. People are getting robbed in stores, smashing grabs, people running in. Louis Vuitton was one of the stores that was hit where they ran in. We saw people robbed as they walked to their cars people running up to them in hoodies. Everybody's wearing masks because of COVID. So that's another cover where you just don't know. Uh, you know, smash and grabs again at multiple stores that are happening beyond just those in your neighborhood. We've seen, like you said, the restaurant where people were eating and literally walked up to them with a gun on them and took their jewelry right in front of other patrons and nobody even knew it was happening. And this happening in Sherman Oaks. We've seen the robberies on Melrose. I can tell you this, as an owner of a gun, multiple guns, and a concealed weapons um, holder, it was important for me when I saw the purge going on in COVID to get my concealed weapons permit. Now, I don't know that this is easy for everybody. I don't know. It, it wasn't easy for me, but I did it. I think that everybody should own a weapon to defend themselves. I think you should have weapons in your homes. I think you should be trained. We go to training on how to shoot these firearms. And I ain't going to lie. I almost shot the uh postmates man don't come knocking on my door he went to the wrong door we are, are very much have had security systems and you know we just had even the police come to my house the other day because the alarm accidentally went off i think that everybody should be doing everything they can to be safe because you know it's unfortunate that there are so many people out there that are hurting that you know it's just it's not all their fault that they're hurting or that they don't have much and that they are probably doing some of this because they want to survive. I mean, a lot of crime happens because people don't have much. And you can break that down and say, oh, these are criminals. No, sometimes people are just, they have nothing. And, you know, how do you feed your kid? Uh, you know, it is open season. Um, a lot of people are excited to be out and are going to the clubs and getting robbed because they're followed home from the clubs. I think to Blue's point, you know, be very smart. Drive past your house. Look around your neighborhood before you go in. Do you have a gun and do you have it in your car? Do you stop at the end of the hill or at the end of your block and take it out and put it on your lap? That might not be legal if the police find you, but guess what? I'd rather the police find me rolling up to my house with my registered gun than somebody catching me outside my house with my registered gun. So can you take an Uber from a club at home? You know, do you, I don't know. I just think there just, there just needs to be more thought into your safety. I've been watching this get posted on Hollywood Unlocked all the last two, three weeks. And I don't even understand what's happening. I'm Jason, like, has this yeah, been what, happening? Look, one thing that you do really well, well, I hope you do. I know I do it well. Um, when you're out, do not post where you are until you've left. Because I cannot tell you how many times I've posted on Instagram or social media in general. And someone's like, oh, I'm at such and such. Where you at? I saw you in your stories. Oh, I already left, boo. Don't do that. So just be really, really mindful to also post on a time lapse. That's an OG rule that we used to do back in the day that we've stopped doing because everybody wants to do things live. Unless you have security like Jason, do not post where you're at while you're still there because it, number one, they know you're not home so they can rob you. And number two, if they want to come get you, they know where to find you. So please make sure that you have a time lapse when you post. It's a really, really small but incremental thing you could do for your own safety. Yeah, and, yeah, and no, and, and and make sure the people that are with you understand that your safety and security and theirs is important and that they're not posting where they're at with you tagged in it. Because mm -hmm. if people are following you, if they're crazy, they're doing the research to follow the people you follow and then they want to see who you hang with and they're following them. I had a friend yesterday in New York City take a video of us 
posted on his Instagram and tagged me. I made him take it down. And he didn't understand why. Even though we had security with us, I still wanted him to understand that I don't want to have nobody pop up and have to have a situation. We saw the owner of Fashion Nova, his security got shot in front of his house and ended up killing one of the guys who followed them home from a club and tried to rob them. Yesterday oh here in New York, my alarm goes off at home and I'm looking at my cameras and the police are at my house. So thank God that even though I'm in New York and somebody may have thought that I'm not at home, I still have people in my house and I still have a security system that's closely monitored. But everybody doesn't have that. So I think, Blue, that's a really important point that people think about. You know, if I could just go back really quick to Alex's mom. This woman was in her 80s, married to her husband and the mother of her children for over 50-something years. Her daughter is the wife to the president of Netflix. And, you know, there's a lot of powerful people connected to this family, the Obamas. I mean, just everybody. This person has an extreme amount of influence. And to think that somebody broke in their house in Beverly Hills and murdered this 80-something-year-old woman who is well-respected, who is the pillar of her household. Alex and his family, I know, are devastated. I'm devastated by the news. And I just want to send my prayers and well wishes out to them and everybody affected by this. Because I, I was just saying to Rob the other day, who runs my company, that I am so puzzled at the world that we live in right now. I, I'm just between the COVID, the new variants, between Virgil dying out of nowhere to this woman being murdered in her home, people being robbed at lunch. I just really am, there's a lot of energy going on in this world right now that is evil. And I pray that at some point soon that it just all goes back to what we thought was normal. Mm. Seeing all this that's going on, if you don't have to leave your house out here, don't. Because rather you are strategic on the way you're posting where you're at, people see you. And the level of what people look at as success or rich might not be your level. So you might be out getting a few things from Macy's. That might be somebody's sign to go and try to take your wallet. And uh, I don't want to scare anybody, but just to be real, if you're living out here in Southern California, if you don't have to go out, try not to. Because you, you can be sitting there eating food in the middle of broad daylight at Bossa Nova. You could be trying to drive home. There's really no scenarios that's keeping you safe unless you have something on you to keep you safe. So just really words of the wise, because it's a lot of things that's going on out here that's not making social media that people are just talking about that people know behind the scenes. And it's really getting crazy out here. So I just wanted to add a, another level. Speaking of, of Bossa Nova, I'm glad that you mentioned that the person that's literally sitting next to me helping today with the show is somebody that I'm mentoring from New York who lives in L.A. with me. We went to Bossa Nova to get food. The order wasn't ready. Uh, so I was sitting outside and it was really suspect outside. I'm going to just mm -hmm. say that it was really suspect. And I said to him, look, they're going to know me. They're going to notice me and I don't feel comfortable. I had my gun on my lap in the car, but even with that, I felt like I'm literally going to have to potentially do something, uh, in protecting myself. So I said to him, can you just stay here low, get the order and then Uber back to the house? He said, yeah, I left. To find out that at that same Bossa Nova, somebody just got murdered right there in front of the place is just crazy. This is why I say if you can use and don't think that Postmates and Uber Eats and all of that is safe either. I don't even go down and open the door. I use I use my intercom, leave it on the door. I change my name on my Uber Eats and my Postmates. I make sure that he orders it from his account. 
you know, I make sure that, you know, once they leave, then we go down and get the door. We lock the door. We turn the alarm. Like you have to think about your safety because it could be that 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 small little second anywhere. Like you said, Boston over eating outside, Melrose getting shoes. Everywhere I go, I keep a gun with me. And the reason why is because whether you're going to get Air Force Ones, or you're going to get an ice cream or you're going to get some lunch with a friend, somebody can roll up on you at any moment and get you. And it's just sad. Yeah. Just what you're mentioning is intuition, though, right? Like you had a feeling that something was off and you acted on it. And so I know I sound like a broken record, but I can't stress enough that while we're keeping ourselves safe physically, we also have to keep ourselves safe mentally because people who are too far to the other extreme who are hypervigilant also end up creating accidents by being trigger happy, right? And so I want people to recognize that if you do leave the house, not only be strategic, but leave the house to go to the shooting range to learn how to shoot and learn gun safety. Leave, leave the house with people that you trust to like go to a dinner or go to a hike so that your mental health is clear. Leave the house to go get a, a medical exam and to get checked out. You mentioned Virgil. Virgil and I are the exact same age. So, and we have a lot of friends who I know personally who were very, very hurt by his passing, not just him being an icon, but him being a man. And I was sitting there thinking about virtual and, and it makes you think about your own mortality when you see things like this. And last week we did an episode where we talked about our mental and physical health and Jason and damage. I love how much we shared in that episode. Cause so many people reached out to me about that. But unfortunately, right after that, that episode aired, I found out that my homegirl who just turned 40 found out that she has terminal cancer and isn't going to make it to the end of the year. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think about how many times we're scared to go to the doctor because we don't want to leave the house and we're scared for our safety and X, Y, and Z. If you are going to leave the house though, make sure you're doing things that feed other versions of health and not just your physical safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting you said that because, you know, everybody knows I've had my history with Virgil that, you know, that, that one time I did meet him, that it wasn't a good uh, experience. I've since deleted the post that I posted about him. Um, but you know, it was my experience and I didn't know at the time he was going through something and still doesn't make an excuse for how I perceived I was treated, but I did get really impacted by his death because he's younger than me. He has greater impact in the world than I do at this moment. Um, and when I, like you said, it faces, it forces you to face your own mortality. I scheduled my blood work for next week. I have friends watch the show that you talk about who reached out to me, who've scheduled meetings with Dr. Z and who are over there trying to figure out their own health because we don't want the bad news. We know we all gonna go one day, but there's so much happening in the world right now that the anxiety of COVID exacerbated with robbery, exacerbated by all these deaths. My cousin's son, 23 years old, just died of COVID the other day, healthy kid. You know, it's just too much happening too fast. But what I will say to everybody is I hope that you're thinking of your safety. I hope not only your safety in the streets, but your safety with COVID and your safety with everything else, because we have this one life to live in. I want us all to be great and to thrive. Um, You know, speaking of that, I'm wanting everybody to thrive. Tyra Banks is in the news because although she wants a lot of models to thrive over at America's Next Top Model, uh, models are now coming forward saying that they only paid $40 a day. So Tyra Banks, as everybody knows, supermodel, host of America's... uh, Got Talent, not not America's Got Talent. What is it? Uh, yeah, America's, no. Yeah, Top she was model. the host of America's Got Talent. She's not anymore. She's the host of um, Top Model, but also Dance with the Stars. She was trending after a former contestant put her on blast because of the way that she and her fellow producers allegedly behaved towards the contestants of that uh, reality show, America's Next Top Model. Now, almost 10 years after all this went down, models are explaining how they are still struggling with the emotional trauma of mm-hmm. all that they went through. And former top model contestant Sarah Hearthstone, Hearthshorn, made social media go into a frenzy when she responded to a tweet 
saying that the models were only paid $40 a day. This is a photo of the tweet. The tweet said, uh, the fact that girls on America's Next Top Model were getting paid $40 an episode and Tyra and the judges were making bank is kind of sick. And she said, $40 a day, no residuals, and we had to pay for food. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they had to pay $40 and they were getting paid $40 an episode and making them pay for food, how crazy is that? You know what? When I see this, it, it makes me think of that phrase when the oppressed becomes the oppressor because I feel like in Tyra's journey, she probably had to go through so much BS becoming a model at the era she became a model. And when she got that platform, I feel like she lost all sensitivity to that experience because some of that stuff is just like outlandish. And for somebody in that in that position, she should have been a little bit more sympathetic. She should have been looking out for these girls, especially the black girls. And it's just, it mind boggles like, this happens every few months where we get a new update about what was happening on America's Next Top Model. And I'm just like, damn, Tyra, you were once that, you know, up and coming model and whatever happened to you, I'm sorry, but it is not okay to put this onto other people. Like, that's ridiculous. Damn it, you're being very nice. Um, you're being very, very nice. Tyra's done things that have never happened to her. I've always thought this, and, and this is a controversial but brave mindset. When I started learning about emotional intelligence, we had to use public figures as folks to like case study and I was a huge Tyra fan. And so I used her because I, I bought her book. I was a huge Tyra fan back in the day. And by the end of that class, I was like, oh my God, I think she's a narcissist. So I don't think this is Tyra being oppressed and taking out on people. I think for years she's exhibited the tenets of being a narcissist. And I think that she was able to hide behind the ugliness of the, of the modeling community. But now that we're looking at receipts, I think folks are finally seeing her objectively from a standpoint. People who've known her for years, people who are in the trenches with her, they say she's always been like this. She did a show yeah. about obesity where she wore a fat suit and she wore the fat suit for three hours and cried and had a fat girl holding her while she wept about being fat for three hours. You're a supermodel. Like, it was three hours, honey. She did a show about being homeless where she was crying to the homeless about, oh my God, I can't believe how they were looking at me. Like, even in moments when it's satirical, she can't think about anybody but herself. And I think Tyra is an amazing businesswoman, but she has a history of narcissistic behavior. And at a certain point, we have to call a thing a thing because if she was a man, we would not be so kind with her with with these excuses we're making for her. I don't think it's modeling. I think she just is a narcissist. And there's a lot of them in in, in the entertainment industry, so it's not even atypical. Let's just call a thing, a thing. Well, listen, well, I've met Tyra Banks twice. Um, both have been non-flattering experiences. I talked about on this podcast at some point over the last six years. When I met her, I was friends with a guy named Don Benjamin. We're not friends anymore, but whatever. I told her then she should have Top Model Man. This was the night Evan Ross introduced me to Diana Ross at the ATL movie premiere. And she looked at me and she said, tell me how many male supermodels you know. And I said, well, Tyson Beckford, Will LeMay. And I couldn't think of any more. She said, exactly, would never work. And then she went on to, to bring in male models and top model. So I, I, I realized in that moment, the lesson for me was that she didn't even see that I had an idea that could be brilliant. She didn't even see the idea that I had for a friend of mine who had passion to be a part of such an amazing show. She did not see me. And what I've heard about Tyra from many people is that when it comes to people of color, uh, she doesn't have a lot of friends around her that are keeping her grounded. And she does not really connected to the culture the way that she should be. The second time I met her was when I went to an event, I was invited to go to an event to support some launch she was doing for a clothing brand. I think it was Nine West. 
The people there, her publicist was a white man, so disrespectful. They were so unwelcoming. They were non-hospitable. She flew in for five minutes, did her little Tyra thing and walked out in a, in a, this is in a time where, you know, we don't really give a shit about you like that, Tyra. You're not Naomi. But what I saw from her and how she treated people was she didn't care about nobody but Tyra. Like she was talking to us, but she was literally talking to herself. We were just standing there drinking cocktails with her in the room. And um, I've met many celebrities over the years from Travis Barker to the best of them, uh, LeBron, you know? And one thing that I will say is that most people who are at that level, when they're engaging people, especially somebody like me and they know what I do is they see me, they give me the attention, they listen, they take what they need to take. And if there's follow-up, they make sure the right person is connected. Tyra don't care about none of that. Running her bags. No 40 acres in the meal for Tyra. Not even $40 in a Big Mac. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I don't know Tyra. I never had an experience with Tyra. I'm definitely not making an excuse for her. I don't know anything. I'm just, this is from the outside looking in. But if that's what y'all uh, took away from the interactions with her, well, Tyra, you could do better. But um, those girls, it's so sad that 10 years after the fact that so many people have so much trauma still from that show. And no experience should be that traumatic. No experience at all. Well, also, anybody who says well, anybody who says that Tyra is not to blame because she's just a host. No, she's the executive producer and creator of the show. She is the face of the show. It is her show. Uh, we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Remember that? Now, can you imagine being a girl, getting $40 a day, having to pay for your own food, and being yelled at by somebody who was rooting for you, but you're not even rooting for me to get a real bag? I mean, it's the audacity for me that you would be so disrespectfully irresponsible and complacent with your responsibilities. Damage highlighted early on. I want to go back to before when I said I'm launching courses. Some people in my company would say, why would you launch courses now? Wait till you get that thing. When is it ever the right time to put other people on game? When is it ever the right time to give people the lessons that you learn by other people screwing you over or not wanting to help you win now. And, and, and your now has come and gone and 10 years later, they're dragging you and they're dragging you for good cause. Mm. Not all mm-hmm. skin folk are kin folk. And if she was a man or a white person, we would have called BS on her a long time ago. Black women do mess up as well. And I, and I think Tyra's been able to weaponize her black womanhood to get a lot of sympathy for bad behavior. And I'm calling BS. But Tyra ain't ever really, she ain't, I mean. Oh, no, on the no show, shade. she'd be like, I'm a black woman. You can kiss but my here's fat the deal. ass. Tyra, like, ain't, yeah, Tyra ain't never gave me black woman like my homegirl, Baby Beast, who grew up in the hood. Okay, I don't know. Baby yes, she's black. Beast. Yes, she's black. Well, yes, she's black. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> now, some Twitter users were wondering why the models didn't just get up and leave. And they're claiming that if they were going through all that torture, they should have just left. And this is what Sarah had to say. She said, quote, Actually, we signed a contract that said we had to stay. You could break it, but you couldn't just like walk out. There were handlers and security and lawyers who threatened us with multi-million dollar lawsuits if we didn't abide by the contract. Now, you remember they did that to me. You know, they did that to me over there at Viacom CBS and I created that whole free Jason Lee campaign and they let me right off the plantation over there. So I understand that, you know, when you're in these contracts, you're you're terrified, but you know, you got to Reclaim your time, as Senator Maxine Waters would say, and take control of your situation. So I, I'm not going to blame the girls, but um, I'd be damned if I only had $40 and couldn't eat and it stay, stayed anywhere, especially as, as much as I weighed when the show was airing. I would I, I needed some food. I needed nourishment. 
<laughs> but look, intimidation is real. You know, like at 20, 22 years old, you don't know you could just walk out on a contract, especially you got people there threatening you. You don't know really what you're going back to. You think this is an opportunity. You think you're, you know, uh, going through the ropes of this game. But at the end of the day, it's just intimidation. It's sad. It's sad that they, uh, those girls got all that trauma. Well, there was no social well, media either, so they couldn't speak out. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you who else is traumatized. I am because the one news station that I watch almost every day is going through turmoil. CNN is throwing out Chris Cuomo because he got caught helping his brother, Andrew, who was the governor of New York, uh, expose some of his accusers. Now, Chris Cuomo, who was an anchor over there at, uh, at CNN, has been accused of helping his brother, Andrew, with avoiding the sexual harassment scandal by going to the extreme lengths to expose his accusers after a series of text messages and interview transcripts were revealed by the Attorney General, Letitia James. Now, the evidence shows that Chris reportedly reached out to several sources in the industry for information regarding the scandal, although he claimed he only offered advice and listened to his older brother. Now, one of the messages shows Chris and one of Andrew's top aides, Melissa DeRosa, discussing how they would respond to the allegations and the accusers. And he also reportedly tried to prevent actor Alec Baldwin from advocating for Andrew. Now, CNN has released a statement saying that they will overlook the evidence before making a decision regarding Chris, Cromo, uh, Chris Cuomo's primetime show, saying, quote, the thousands of pages of additional transcripts and exhibits that were released today by the New York Attorney General deserve a thorough review and consideration. Uh, as of right now, Chris is on, he's on vacation or he's been removed. Um, and then, you know, they're having conversations and seeking more clarity about the significance of all the stuff that's happening over there. So I don't know. Now that there's the investigation has gone down. Chris is out. It almost seems indefinitely he's gone from CNN, which is just crazy. But would you have done this for your brother and your sister? My, here's my question. What exactly did he do, though? Because journalists, and I had a brief stint at CNN, journalists are by nature very inquisitive people. So if somebody that I cared about had huge allegations against them, there's no scenario where I wouldn't look into it. So him looking into it in itself to me isn't something egregious. It's something that anybody, any journalist I know would do that. Any lawyer I know would do that. So I don't think him just looking into, oh, he was looking into it. That itself is not bad to me. Now, if he used what he found to intimidate people or to do things that were untoward, then we have an issue. But the probe itself is actually the nature of the beast to me. So I don't, yeah, but I don't you, think but, him looking into it is bad. Yeah, well, let me say this. I mean, you know, there's clearly, a, there's clearly bias here and there's clearly a conflict. It's your brother. He's the governor of New York City. You're talking about it on your show, on your network. They're reporting on your brother. You have to know, like, yes, choices were made. And I'm a I'm a fan of what Andrew Cuomo has done for the state of New York, especially navigating these people through COVID. And he was a rock star in that. But you're 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 on TV and seemingly defending your brother. Uh, well, he recused himself. He recused himself, no, actually. Yeah, but I mean, he was also um, well, let me say this. He was a part of a network that was reporting on his brother's allegations. And so if he recused himself from reporting on it, he should have recused himself as a journalist of looking into it and using his relationships to do that. And so I think there's a conflict there. I mean, I just think it would have been the right thing to say, hey, yo, bro, you're on your own on this one. I mean, wouldn't you have done that damage? Hell no. I'm rifling my brother yeah. to the death. Um, I'm going to look into it. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely looking into it at all, by any means necessary. Um, it is what it is. 
Yeah, you got to ride for family, especially if you feel like your brother didn't do those things. I hope he did not do those things. But, you know, when we're talking about intimidation, as you say, you know, he's just doing his his job, looking into some things. And he got a little pushback. I think there's more going on here that I want to dive into because I want to continue to do the show. But, um, yeah, if it was my brother, <laughs> I'm definitely 100%, okay. 110%. Now these Looking were allegations. Th- these were allegations that he was sexually harassing women. What if your brother was R. Kelly? You calling around to ask if he molested the the young girls? I mean, where does it stop? Yeah. Right? Asking asking is very different than coer- coercion, though. So that's the yeah. thing. Like, there's a difference between looking into something versus using that and weaponizing it. Looking in and weaponizing are not the same. So I think it's dangerous to conflate those two. Wanting the data and the facts so that you can make an educated decision. I see nothing wrong with that. I, if I'm gonna look after my brother, I want to make sure that he's not hiding something. For me so how do we even know he wasn't checking for both ends like just because you're i looking, think we're i think we're missing the mark side. though it's one thing to be a loyal family member looking out for your brother and your sister but when you are a news anchor speaking to the country speaking to the world he speaks to the world from a news standpoint and a news organization that has a ton of resources at hollywood unlock we got lots of resources hell we just found out sweetie was uh, messing around with a little baby but this is on a big level right Pol- politics all the conflicts of interest between politics and media and the perceived, you know, right being with Fox and left being with CNN, and then your brother being the center of an allegation like these, and then use your resources after recusing yourself publicly to privately find out if there's some information to give to him. That's, I don't know, that that's shady to me. And look, I love, I I love my siblings. I'm, I'm willing to ride or die for you, but I'm also willing to allow you to be held accountable for your mistakes. And the process that Andrew was going through was a legal process to determine whether or not he had made mistakes. I think the way you ride or die for him is once he makes it through, sitting down and giving him your platform in the world stage to slam the right who may have set him up. But I don't don't think that's what he did here. I think he made a bad decision. Well, the media is very good at twisting things. And I would rather see with my own eyes than believe somebody else. So... I, I know it's not a popular opinion, but if, I wouldn't ever use the data to, to use it against victims, but I'd always want to know the, the data for myself before I stood with or against my brother. I don't see anything wrong with it. But it, but isn't it something wrong if you take that information and you're giving it to his chief of staff? Yes, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Looking is not wrong. Weaponizing it is. But this is what I'm saying. What we're talking about is not an ideology of whether or not you should be loyal to your sibling. He used his personal and professional relationships as a journalist of a major media organization to give information to his brother's chief of staff. That's the allegation. That is wrong. Like, I don't see where is the like I get being loyal to your family, but I'm sorry. I built Hollywood online. I ain't letting none of my family throw me off my square. Not, not, not you're not your gonna cousins, throw me off nobody? what I built. No, but not my mom. My mama could put her arm through the grave. Go back down. No, Please, I'm not man. allowing anybody to take from me what I built. Because see, the thing about family is we all got those family members who guilt us into doing shit for them, making bad decisions. Oh, bro, just go on and loan me some money for my rent. And I'm gonna pay you back, cousin. And then when that money don't come back and you can't pay your rent, you got to go talk to your partner about why you fucked off the money. No, family members and close friends sometimes are the people who do the most and use their relationship with you to get you fucked up. And I just kind of feel like in this situation, as much as I respect Chris Cuomo, I am a fan of Chris's and I love his loyalty to his brother. But I don't think it was the best decision to 
recuse yourself from the public while you privately use your responsibility, your resources to secretly help your brother with information to combat charges that may at some point be proven true against these women. I don't know. Maybe I'm different, but I think I think he messed up. One other person who's under fire, Trey Songs. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Trey Song is under investigation and being accused of sexual assault. Now, this is happening in Las Vegas, where law enforcement is saying that the Las Vegas Police Department is looking into cases of sexual assault happening at the Cosmopolitan, Cosmopolitan Hotel. Now, it's unclear what day this assault, this alleged assault occurred, but the claim was made to the police on Sunday. Now, sources have said and are revealing that Trey is cooperating with the authorities and, and that no arrests have been made. But uh, but people are still saying that, you know, he has a past this. Remember in 2019, Trey Songs was in Vegas celebrating his 37th birthday at Dre's when he and his crew brought uh, some women back to their rooms. And, you know, they're saying that he assaulted them then. Uh, and Trey was also sued by a woman named Andrea Bruera, who claimed that she had assaulted uh, her during NBA All-Star Weekend in her hotel suite and said that he became enraged after uh, she talked to one of his friends. So. Although he's denied all of this and says that he's being lied on, and I totally understand that he's not been found guilty, so it's hard to say or hard to hear for some people that he ain't guilty yet. What do you guys think? I believe Kiki Palmer, and she told us about this years ago, and y'all rolled your eyes at her and told her that she was thirsty and wanted him, and y'all owe her an apology. That's what I believe. I think it's where there's smoke, there's fire at a certain point, and I actually am a huge Trey Songz fan. He has ended up on many of my sexual playlists. Um, but when she went on the breakfast club and revealed that she'd had an encounter with him with, with her big status, like Kiki Palmer's not a small name. She's been in this industry for like 20 something years when she used her voice and her platform and decades of stardom to say, Hey, this man did something to me that made me really uncomfortable. Everybody dragged her and said she was thirsty. And now all these years later, other things that are very similar to what she's saying are coming out. So I think. I, I believe Kiki. I, I, if it wasn't for her, I might be a little bit more cautious. But there's been rumblings and there's been other celebrities that I won't mention who have made allegations about him behind the scenes. And so I just think that a real investigation needs to happen because the first time maybe, but it's been like five or six times now, Trey. Like, why, what is everybody saying? Why are they all saying this? Yeah, and um, I definitely second that. And he he's an easy target. Like, bro, when are you going to switch up your routine and how you're, you're carrying your lifestyle. You're still at this big age, taking groups of girls back to your hotel room. Have we not seen this time? And him, him, him himself has seen this go wrong time and time again, being accused multiple times of assault. Brother, you, I don't know if you need to find a study. Girlfriend, you need to change up the system of way you're doing things. I don't know if you need to change the homies that's, that's around you because whatever you're doing doesn't work. Whatever that system is, of how y'all decide who's around, or maybe it is just you, it's not working. It needs to change. Mm-hmm. I feel like this ain't gonna be the last time we hear about this, unfortunately. Well, listen, I will say, I will say that um, I've been in his home, and I've been in his home where there have been many girls. And I say, if they were, if it was my home and there was men. It would be too many. It was many girls. And I promised Trey that I wouldn't talk about things that went on in his house. I didn't see anything irregular. But what I did see, and again, this is not me saying that this is in response to what he's being accused of, women throwing themselves at him, multiple women 
at one time in the same space. It was so much energy happening that I was like, yo, this shit is a lot. Because he literally was a kid in a candy store and could eat any piece of candy that he wanted. So I think that when it comes to somebody like Trey, I think, like you say, damage to your point, he's an easy target. Still, Mr. Steal Yo Girl. This is he is known for fucking on a lot of women. And this is who he is. And he's not doing it by himself. Some of these women throw up, maybe throwing themselves on him. And then they, you know, you're throwing themselves on him and then they get there and it gets real. And then they don't want to move forward. I don't know the circumstances, but when you kind of go back with the man repeatedly, you kind of have heard all these things about him. As you said, blue, all this smoke is there, but yet is the smoke mystifying you to who he is, his celebrity clouding your judgment. I don't know. I hope that it isn't true. But if it is true, I hope that he's held accountable for it because ultimately any woman, any man, any victim of sex, sex abuse is, you know, should be vindicated. Um, it's, it's sad to see him going through this because I know he's a new father and I know he's a present father, but this is a lot. Um, it's a lot going on right now. All right. Well, another friend, ironically, this next person we have to talk about, the last time I saw her was with her friend, Tiana Trump, who was showing mm -hmm. me Trey Song's penis. Okay. Well, look, she's now in the news. My friend, Brittany Renner, bundle of Brittany, she's in the news. Because she's now living with her mom and struggling financially uh, because her breakup now with uh, PJ, uh, she was uh, with this guy, uh, the father of her son, her child, PJ Washington. Well, anyway, now she's uh, back at home with her mom and she posted this video. I want to show you this video and uh, we'll talk about it. Take a look. So moved into my new place today. Y'all, when I tell you, I've been thugging. Okay, like, we live with my mom and my sister. It's me and my mom, my sister, my baby. I mean, because, you know, I, two and a half months when I decided to leave, maybe it was two and a half months old, I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't even have a car. I still don't have a car. Um, I got rid of my car, you know, because, you know, empty promises, whatever, but... Uh, <laughs> I've been thinking so hard, bitch. Bitch, this has really been the hardest time of my life. And here I am. Because <laughs> I thought somebody, right. Because he, yeah. That to say, don't ever relinquish your independence for a relationship. Follow your dreams, not your boyfriend. A man is not a financial plan. Always have your own things. <laughs> I honestly feel like since this situation, I don't think even if I was married, I can't see myself not having my own house outside of the main house. Like I would just have to have my own space. Maybe that would change with time. Who knows? But also, it's crazy. Like people, they want to see you fail. Oh, they want to see you fail. When you don't, they have no control over you. Do well, some people on social media don't give a shit. They don't care. Um, I'm empathetic <laughs> to her. You know, Brittany Aww. was a, she was a independent woman before him. And she was an author. She was an influencer. She made lots of money posting for Fashion Nova and all types of other brands. And she'll bounce back. She'll get it together. But she's been living at home after she left this man. She's 29 and he's 23. There was a whole conversation about that, which I didn't understand. And uh, people are mad. I think people are just, people just love to see people miserable. I think that she, like many women, left a relationship she wasn't happy in, 
fell on hard times and she's digging her way out of it. Why are people so mad that Britney's having that experience? Yeah, um, a few things. One, I don't know, because a lot of people saying she's broke. Just because she's back with her mom doesn't mean she's broke. But then at the same time, I'm thinking she's saying she's back somewhere. I, I, from what I remember, she left the relationship, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm okay. So okay, because it. I don't know. It's a narrative being painted like she got kicked out of something and she was left with nothing. She left the situation voluntarily. Um, I don't know. I don't know really how to feel about all of this. I, I honestly don't. Want, I don't want it to be my business at all. Whatever they got going on with their co-parenting situation, I don't want to dive into it. But I think she'll bounce back. And just because she's with her mom and she didn't have a car, I don't think that equates to her being broke. So I just want to put that out there. But even mm. if she was broke, I think her having to move back with her mom and being of lesser means, that's what people are reacting to. If In a weird way, it actually makes her case that she probably loved him. Because we all know what, it, well, maybe Jason, not you and Damage, but when you're a woman and you're in love with a guy, a lot of times you'll put all your eggs in his basket and give up everything to coexist with him. And then when you guys break up, you realize that you've lost yourself. We saw the whole thing that happened with Danny last week where she gave up her LA house and now she's being kicked out of the baby's house. Now we're seeing with Brittany, like, I think this actually helps her case that she probably was a woman who was in love and a relationship ended badly. And now she's going through the regular things that regular women go through when they have a breakup, just because she's seen as a gold digger to a lot of folks. Does not mean that she can't fall in love like a regular person? She's a beating heart like the rest of us. And what's really, really crazy to me is Jason, the part that she mentioned about people love to see you fail. The one thing that Brittany has that everybody can agree on is she's a whole, she's very cocksure. She's a very confident woman. Some say cocky, some say confident, some say conceited. The world loves to humble confident women. And I think a lot of folks who are just annoyed by how full of herself she is are reveling in her having this very human moment because y'all just don't like to see confident women. So there's a, a bunch of haters out there who even if she was in love and was going through heartache, we're never going to show her grace because they're annoyed that she liked herself so much when she was doing well. It's a tale as old as well, time. I haven't, I haven't talked to her yet. I know I'm going to be sitting down with her soon, but I think she's setting PJ up to get the bag. You know, personally, I, I think that. she said, yeah, I think she set him up. But look, she has a baby by the guy. And unfortunately for him, he has a responsibility. So listen, we've talked about a lot today. I wish her well. <laughs> I don't know what people are going to think about all that. Shout out to Michelle uh, Mitchell from Meta for coming on and giving all of us creators um, information on how to get paid. And that money helps us stay alive over here at Hollywood Unlocked on top of all the other money too. Uh, thank you everybody for watching the show and listening. Make sure you continue to download the podcast, share the YouTube link and everything everywhere. Make sure all your friends know about it. Let's grow into this new year. Damage Blue, you know, I hope that everything that you're working on is, is blossoming and blooming as well as everything over here and everything together. So uh, be safe, everybody. Oh, and by the way, if you watched yesterday's episode with Kevin Hart uh, on Fox Soul, common is coming up next week and he <gasps> talks about his relationship ending with tiffany haddish so definitely stay connected because baby oh it's a lot going on over here all right okay so see you next time peace all right look that was a great show and make sure you keep coming back because we got all types of amazing interviews and topics that are going to make you go crazy uh-huh that's right that means like subscribe do everything you need to do to make sure you stay up to date with what we got going on and ladies, stay tuned in because you know I have your back. And listen, make sure that you're commenting below because even though I say I don't read it on the show, that's all I do when it's over. Peace.